Hi folks, my name is Linda Emmett and welcome to Happiness is an Inside Job. We are the creators of our own reality, we create our own lives. Our mind is our biggest limit and it's our own beliefs, behaviours and habits constantly caught in those cycles that keep us trapped where we are and stand in the way of our own happiness. So throughout this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into some of those beliefs, habits and patterns, where they show up in your lives and what you can do to change them. Hi guys, how are we all doing and welcome to this week's podcast where we're going to be focusing on alcohol and stress and the relationship between the two. And firstly, we're going to be taking a look at the emotional side of our relationship with alcohol and how it can be triggered by stress. And the second thing we're going to look at is the physical impact that alcohol actually has within our body. And that's again to give you guys an understanding of some of what's actually going on in your system and why we react and respond the way we do. Because again, understanding is power and understanding can help us shift the relationship if we're in a place that we don't want to be with alcohol. So firstly, guys, we're going to look at why we drink and what the relationship to alcohol and stress is. And again, creating that all important picture to see if you're somewhere you don't want to be and how to shift away from there. And firstly, it's looking at what your view of alcohol is. What is it to you? Is it your reward? Is it your relaxant? Is it your friend in the fridge that you go to of an evening when you want to wind down? Because again, if that's what you're telling yourself, your brain, as I've mentioned, moves you away from pain and towards reward. If you're coming in that front door and saying to yourself, I've had a really monster stressful day. I want to wind down and relax now. I'm going to have a drink. That's what you're programming in as your reward, your relaxer. So looking at what it is that you're telling yourself, I know certainly for me, it was me, me friend in, in the fridge, something I sat down with on a Friday night and I escaped. I got away from everything that I was feeling. That's not actually reality, but that 100% is what I was telling myself. Is it a social lubricant for you before you go out to an event or to meet people, you're running a bit of social anxiety, you're a little nervous of walking into the room or connecting with people and you're going, you know what, I'll have one or two scoops before I head out. Is it what you see as socialising? You don't know socialising outside of drinking alcohol. It's looking at what your emotional connection to it is, what, what you're using it for. Because this is where we get into where we say to ourselves, OK, I'm going to go home and I'm going to have one or two. And then that turns into three or four or five. And you're left wondering why you're never sticking to that one or two you said you'd stick to. And you go you go into a space where you're feeling guilty, you're judging yourself, you're feeling out of control. You're thinking if people really knew that I was drinking this way, you're feeling embarrassment and you're feeling shame. And the thing is, guys, these are the things that will drive you back to having a drink because these are the emotions you want to move away from. So if you're getting up the next day and feeling some of these things, that's setting up your day. That's how you're going into your day, how you're feeling, 
how you're, what space you're reacting and responding to people from. A space where you're judging yourself, you're annoyed at yourself, you're feeling out of control. And therefore, that in itself is creating stress in your life and those negative feelings. So then when you're going home, you're potentially returning to the thing you view as a reward, you view as an escape, you view as your friend in the fridge, that bottle you can pull out that dulls or numbs out some of those pains. So you can see where it can it can drive a cycle and that cycle can leave you feeling like you've you've a bad or negative relationship with alcohol. So it's looking at some of these things and what your views are is the first step to creating that change. Another thing that we really need to look at, guys, is the normal drinker. Everybody has a different version of what the normal drinker is, the marker that we set for ourselves. This comes from a lot of different aspects, from how we grew up, how our parents drank, what we believe is okay and not okay, be it some of us would never have a drink at home. Others only have a drink at home. Some would have a glass of wine with a meal. Some would never drink in front of their children. We all have a different version of what a normal drinker is. And the thing is, a normal drinker, there is no definition of that. There is no definition of what a normal drinker is. So we're, we're, we're chasing a rainbow. What we want to be looking at is the reasons that we're drinking and whether they're positive or negative. If you're using alcohol as a tool to avoid or push down other emotions that you're not dealing with, like your stressors, how you're treating yourself, how you're living your life, negative emotions, bad feelings. If you're drinking alcohol to escape them or it's your only reward or a predominant reward in your life, that's when it's becoming negative. When you're judging yourself constantly for drinking one more or drinking one more night, that's when you're going into a negative space, when it's not making you feel good, when you need to be looking at the things in the background that are driving that relationship with alcohol, that are triggering those responses and having you torn into alcohol to numb them out in the first place. Because chasing that definition of a normal drinker, as they say, is like chasing a rainbow. It doesn't exist. It's different for everybody. So we all have our different judgments on what what we should be doing in regard to alcohol but it's just assuring yourself and making sure that you're in a positive relationship with it and not a negative relationship and that's the goal that we need to be focusing on. For me guys coming from my own space my own personal experience I gave up alcohol uh, many years ago not, this is not something I'm advocating to yourselves, but again, just to give you an explanation in the background. For me, alcohol was a tool I used for many, many different things. I was living a very fast paced stress life and alcohol was definitely an escape from all that, an escape from, from feeling I couldn't keep up, that I wasn't doing enough, being enough. No matter what space I was in, I wasn't, I felt I wasn't doing enough in the, the mothering space, in the workspace and alcohol I used to, to push down those feelings. And then I drink more than I wanted to and get into a, a judgment space where I was picking on myself and hammering myself, feeling guilty and feeling ashamed. And it just had me caught in such a cycle and I needed for me 
to remove alcohol from my life, to step back and look at all the things that I was avoiding feeling, all the things that I was using it for, because it did become my friend in the fridge. And I'm absolutely not saying that for anybody else. This is my personal experience. It was my friend in the fridge and I needed to build a better friendship with myself. I needed to stop and ask and see what was going on with me, why I was feeling the way I was feeling, why I was living the way I was living and alcohol needed to be removed. And at the time I decided it was for 100 days and then it rolled into six months. And then I just I felt happier in me not having alcohol in my life and it's, it's more evolved into me being a few years down the line now without alcohol not something I set out but it certainly really did help me build a much more positive relationship with myself and that's what I'm trying to advocate with you guys it's not about giving up alcohol it's about building a better relationship with yourself, diluting all those stresses in your life. So when you're having that drink, it's not to escape or run away from or push down any of the other things. We shouldn't ever want guys to escape our own lives. If we want to escape our own lives, we need to look at what it is that's, that's driving us towards that need to escape. We need to look at those things and start doing the work in those areas so we're enjoying our lives more and not needing things like alcohol to suppress it so as we can just exist rather than live. So now, guys, now that we've looked at the emotional side of our relationship with alcohol, what I want to do is talk through a bit of the physical side of our relationship with alcohol, the impact it actually has within our system and how our body actually reacts and responds to alcohol, because that will give you the better understanding of why we think the way we do and why we react the way we do and why different things happen within our systems when we drink. So forcing up is alcohol and and our eating food and potentially weight gain when we drink ethanol our body can't store it so if you've eaten just beforehand or while you're drinking what your your physical system will actually do is it'll start breaking down the alcohol and put the food you've eaten aside to break down later therefore putting it into storage so the alcohol will go through our system, the food won't, which is why over time, alcohol can definitely have an impact on weight gain. It also changes the food choices that we're making because when we're drinking, we're only in the present. We're not thinking of tomorrow. We're thinking of right now and what we want. And we're going for those sort of foods, which is why, again, guys, the takeaways show up so much more when we're drinking as opposed to when we're not. The second thing that happens with alcohol, again, in regards to our digestive system is, and it's the difference between eating, and we've heard all heard this, drinking on a full stomach or drinking on an empty stomach and the difference between the two. And when our stomach is full, guys, we have what's called at the bottom of our stomach, a phyloric sphincter which is literally an opening and closing valve. When our stomach is full, that valve is closed, which means when alcohol goes in on top of it, it stays in our stomach and it's broken down with everything else. When our stomach is empty, when we haven't eaten, 
that sphincter valve is open, which means the alcohol goes straight down your neck, through your stomach and into your bloodstream. So the alcohol affects you and goes into your bloodstream, not broken down and not diluted like it would when you were full. So that's why alcohol hits you so much harder when you've an empty stomach as opposed to when you have a full stomach. And your liver can only dissolve a certain amount when it's going through. So it shoots straight through your stomach down into your liver. Your liver can only process so much and sends it all out into your bloodstream at a much quicker rate. And that's why we can go from zero to drunk much quicker when we haven't eaten. So that's where that age old, the difference between drinking on a full stomach or an empty stomach comes in. The second thing that is very, very interesting with alcohol, guys, is your brain signals your body through hormones. We all know this. And one of the hormones that your brain uses to signal your kidneys is known as vasopressin, which is the one that tells your kidneys to hold on to vital water for your body. So to hold in the water that your body needs. Ethanol, alcohol, shuts that off. So you do actually wee far more when you're drinking. That isn't just a myth or something you feel. That's actually happening in your system because that signal isn't going down to your kidneys to tell it to hold on to the vital water it needs, which in turn is partly why we feel so dehydrated the next day when we get up because you have actually lost a lot of vital water for your system, which is why we're spending a lot of time the next day trying to replenish the essential salts and the water that we've actually lost. Another thing that happens within our system is known as alcohol myopia. And if you read this out of a science book, it literally means short-sightedness. So that means for us guys, when we've had a certain level of alcohol, we only see the right now. We only see what we need or want in the moment. So you're no longer worried about the exam next week or to do list for tomorrow. You're only thinking of the right now. Where this shows up negatively is it's partly why people drive when they have drink on board. They're only thinking of I'm at A and I need to get to B. They're not thinking of the consequences of that or the impact it might have. They're thinking of what they need in the moment and right now. And again, guys, I'm not advocating drink driving. I'm just explaining why sometimes it, it can happen. We're thinking in the moment. How we plan for one or two drinks and end up having the seven or eight is again tied into alcohol myopia because we're only thinking of the fun we're having right now, the good time we're having sitting where our mates are listening to that music or whatever we're doing. And we're enjoying the fun, enjoying the right now. And we go for drink number three, drink number four, drink number 24, wherever that may be, because we're only thinking in the present. We're thinking of the right now. Another thing, and this is one of the things I really found one of the most fascinating was when we drink a certain level of alcohol and there's there's a fair amount of it in our system. One of the things that alcohol does is there's a part of our brain known as the hippo, hippocampus, which forms short term memories. This is hugely impacted when we drink alcohol, which shows up in a couple of ways, guys, that we've probably all seen um, in our drinking lifetimes. 
And one is when you hear people constantly repeating themselves, their hippocampus, effectively the alcohol has put that offline. They're no longer forming short-term memories, which means they repeat themselves because they literally don't remember what they said 15 seconds ago. It's like goldfish syndrome. It also impacts, and this is a slightly more scary side, when you get up the next day and there's particular parts of the night that you just can't remember. That is when you, your system has reached a certain level of alcohol and it's not actually forming those memories anymore. So you literally didn't form some of the memories to remember some of the events that happened. And that's just some of the effects that alcohol has within our system. It changes our brain chemistry in many different ways. And that's why we behave very differently. Again, our impulse control is diluted, which is why potentially, even in our younger years, you probably could have slept with someone that you wouldn't sleep with if you were sober or you've made decisions that you would not, that are out of character for you. Again, your impulse control isn't functioning at the levels it would if you were sober. So you're diving onto the impulses. If it's a good idea in the moment, you're far more inclined to do it than you would when you were sober. And then it's the next day when you get up, your system is dehydrated, um, the essential salts are, are missing. And again, we can sometimes crave the likes of McDonald's and things like that the next day because they're extremely salty foods and your system knows what it needs. I'm not saying run out and get an Al uh, a McDonald's. I'm just mentioning this is some of the reasons that we crave these type of foods. Diorolite is really, really powerful. Them little sachets actually have the essential salts that our body needs. And we use them on babies when they have diarrhea. They're really, really powerful for replenishing those salts that our bodies need the next day. It's like a, a quick fix. Have you ever wondered, guys, when you get up the next day and you look at how much you spent or you're thinking back over the night before and, you know, you bought them 10 Jaeger bombs or you went in and bought everybody food and abracababra or, you know, you were excessively generous, more generous than you'd normally be. Again, this falls under the the alcohol myopia where you're not thinking of the consequences. You're not thinking of what your bank account will look like the next day or, you know, how much that actually costs to buy 10 Jaeger bombs for, you know, that girl you met in the toilet half an hour ago. That's now your best friend. You know, it's actually, again, the differences and the chemical changes in your brain that drive some some of these things and the lack of impulse control. The activity in your prefrontal cortex is reduced, which means our restraint, the things that we normally have some restraint from, that's reduced. So we're not as restrained as we'd normally be. And that can show up as well in different aspects, even in us getting annoyed and possibly getting in a row that we wouldn't get into when we were sober because the restraint we'd normally have is is reduced within the prefrontal cortex. So we're not as restrained as we'd normally be. So we might exhibit different behaviours we wouldn't normally exhibit where normally we'd, we'd have the ability to hold ourselves back. Alcohol dilutes our abilities to do that. And as I mentioned earlier, guys, in regard to maybe meeting people or kissing people or sleeping with people we wouldn't normally even in our younger days there's a particular part of your brain you know that it'd be your 
your dopamine, your reward uh, center. And that's actually heightened when we drink alcohol, which means we're more inclined to seek in the moment rewards. You combine that with the diluted impulse control and the diluted restraint and you can have a, a whole mix going on in there that has you behaving very, very differently to how you'd behave when you're sober. And I wanted to share some of this with you guys. So you have an understanding of how alcohol is actually working in your system and what it's impacting, what is and isn't within your control, depending on the level of alcohol that you drink and why you're reacting and responding in ways you wouldn't when you're sober, because we can get up the next day and be our greatest judge, hammering ourselves for things that effectively alcohol has had a huge impact on. They change in ways how you react and respond because they've change the way your brain is responding. So when you think of it, guys, and look at the big picture here, if you look at the physical impacts that alcohol has within your system, the lack of impulse control, the prefrontal cortex reduced activity where you're not exhibiting the restraint that you normally would, seeking out the, the pleasures, the rewards and being very, very present, literally, as I say, myopia being short-sightedness, only thinking in the moment. If you combine that with a person that's potentially very, very stressed and using alcohol as a tool, you can see where it can become quite a negative in your life. It can become the thing you use to escape to act out this lack of control, this impulsive behaviour, and then it puts you into a space where you're then wondering what happened, feeling out of control, and really judging yourself very, very harshly. And it's actually the combination of the two, feeling very negative when you've started to drink the alcohol and the effects that alcohol actually has on your body that's creating this quite negative relationship. So working in the background on what's driving you to alcohol in the first place, are you trying to escape things? Is there is it is it an escape from a life that's too busy and too stressful? Are you using it as your friend in the fridge rather than actually reaching out and talking to your friends, talking to your loved ones, telling them how you feel and asking for what you really, really need? Is it things you're not doing for yourself? Is it you're not building in them boundaries that you're telling people when your work day is done, possibly switching off that phone or stepping away from that laptop, doing some of the things that you want to be doing? What is it that's driving the stress, that's driving you into the letting loose with the alcohol? And it's working on the stresses in the background and then just doing a rebuild with your relationship with alcohol, with an understanding of the actual impacts it has on your physical system. And with a combination of both, you'll have a much healthier relationship with alcohol and a much better relationship with yourself if you're actually looking after what you really need and not what you believe alcohol has given you in the moment. So take a moment in your own life, guys, and look at what you view alcohol as. Is it your reward after a really tense day, a stressful day? Is it your escape when the kids are gone to bed or 
when you're winding down? Is it your night out with your mates where you're going to have your, your eight to 10? What is it? What is it you're trying to move away from? And you start working on that. And not only that, it won't only change your relationship with alcohol, it'll also give you a much healthier, happier life where you're living a life you want to be in and not one you want to escape from. Thanks for tuning in folks to this week's episode of Happiness is an Inside Job. I hope you really enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week, same time, same place for the next episode.